Good evening. This is the Tomorrow Christian reading John 4 in the NLT. But first and always, you know the drill. We pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. It's a joy to do this. Thank you so much for this venue, this ability to be able to read it out, uh, have my two cents. But I do pray for the Holy Spirit to be bestowed on myself so that I can learn, I can grow, I can be transformed, I can have the power to overcome sin. I pray that for anybody who wants to listen. I pray for them to follow your son, to follow you, to love you more, to cling to you. These are really scary times. To me, they're end times, and I don't need to get into all of my reasons, Lord, but I think that we just have to be really diligent, really sober, really forward-thinking, purposeful, intentional, and drive forward, Lord, come what may. I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. So this is John 4, and there's a lot of stuff going on here, so let's get going. John 4 in the NLT, Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Although Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. So I never really think of the disciples as baptizing anybody. Like I always see kind of John the Baptist doing it. But we've kind of read that John the Baptist had like a baptism of repentance. Like, okay, he's like Elijah, go forward, um, repent of your sins, you know, it's, it's something called, I remember reading about something called the mikvah in the Old Testament where it was like a lot of water, it was a cleansing, and this is like a baptism, and there, John is baptizing people in a baptism of repentance, and if we turn to 1 Corinthians 15, because I remember when I, when I was uh, first exposed to my Baptist uh, group um, at my place of work, and we're still there, one of the first things is my Baptist mentor told me was 1 Corinthians 15, and he said that, verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for your sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve. So the baptism was like a memorial of Jesus' um, uh, death, burial, and resurrection. And in a way, we begin our new life by the old life is destroyed, we're buried, and we rise to newness of life. And through the water, we are cleansed, right? And we are given a new life, new covenant, new heart, new Savior. And John the Baptist was doing this before, but somehow it worked out that, you know, this was maybe a symbol of what was going to happen to Jesus. And it's a symbol of us too. You know, we are crucified with Christ, we are buried with Christ, we are baptized with Christ, and we rise to new li newness of life with Christ. I think it's just so hopeful and it's about relationship with God. Like you, can you get a better deal than that? I mean, can you get a better destiny than that? I totally believe what Jesus is saying. Like it just, it's so simple and it's so powerful relationship with God, a personal relationship with God, not worrying about what day you go into a church or what you got to wear or what you got to do or what your food is. Of course, those are all secondary things. You can do them well, you can do them sloppily, um, whatever, you, whatever you know you and your conscience says to do. But the first and always is connection with God. The new covenant, love fulfills the law. The love part will flow into what you're doing. You know, God is other-centered. He's not self-centered. Satan is self-centered. It's all about religion, all about how, what he wants to give God, which is nothing, by the way. That's why all these religions are attacking Jesus. Because Jesus is about being other-centered, giving yourself to God, relationships, 
We're all working on our bodies in the gym. That's wonderful. I love it. Chiseling our character. But is anybody working on the character? Is that the is that a priority? I'm, I I was I wouldn't care about character either. And now I've been in the church. I've been rebaptized since January 27, 2019. And I think to myself, I came to the church in the Baptist church thinking I knew so much. Man, I was so stupid and proud and entitled, full of myself. Just a stupid, stupid guy. I'm not saying that to be like false humility. Like I'm thinking what my mindset was and it's like, man, I have been humbled. I have said stupid things. I felt depressed. I felt down. I've had trials. I, I have seen what, you know, um, what happened in my marriage and my children and people, you know, a lot of people say they're your friends, but they couldn't care less. They tell you you're going wrong or something, or, hey, you've gone to grace. You don't care about Saturday anymore. You don't care about the law. They don't care about you. I tell you, find out who your true friends are, you know, and to me, church is like, okay, you know, this is a different way of doing things, but church is about relationships. You go to church because you want to, because you want to serve, because you want to be part of a family. God makes you a family. Brothers and sisters in the Lord. Right? Okay, you got a religion, you got some hermeneutics that you like, you know, common hermeneutics, rapture, hell is burning forever, hell is not burning forever. When you die, you sleep. When you die, you go to be with the Lord. All of this stuff. Ah, oh, that's not that's just scholarship. Academia. Hey, it's great, lovely. Let's 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 do scholarship to the best of our ability, but that ain't the connecting glue. Okay? Nobody's gonna sleep better at night knowing for sure if hell is burning forever or not. Okay, nobody's sleeping better at night. You're sleeping better at night knowing that Jesus is your savior, that no matter what happens to you in this life, no matter what things are done to you or how you are disrespected, or you didn't get that job or that promotion, or you went to the gym and you didn't make a gain. You haven't made a gain. You'll probably never make a permanent gain ever again. But man, that creatine is helping though. I have to say I've taken that creatine. That's really helping. But you've never made a permanent gain in your musculature. The right side of your muscles is still bigger and bulgier than the left side. You are going towards God. Death is not your doorstop. If you don't give me an amen, as Fody Bachman would say, give me an ouch. <laughs> if you don't say amen, you better say ouch. Don't matter, folks. You're going to God. You're going towards eternal communion with God. And you're going towards eternal existence in a new universe where things don't go out of whack. You know, this girl came to the gym and she's pretty good looking, right? She's young. So my friends really like her. I kind of give her, you know, she's very, she actually remembered my name. She remembered the other guy. She talked to the other guys. One guy swooped in to save her. She was doing some shoulder press. So her name is one of the names in the Bible. And she looked at my shirt because I was wearing a shirt that has a radio station in Ontario that plays Christian music. And she says, my parents, we grew up on that. And she says, my brother in the belief, my brother in the Lord. I could not believe what I heard. It's like, oh, I really like this one. But, you know, I'm, hey, I'm 59 years old. This girl looks like she's 25. I ain't doing nothing there. Not, not that I could, but you know what I mean? Like, I was shocked. She actually remembered my name. Like, wow, somebody, I'm not invisible. But it's just like God just changes us into someone who's a stranger. It's like, wow, she's got some of the same beliefs in her head that are in mine, right? Like, it's just an amazing thing. I don't know this person, 
Believe me, I'm not asking anybody out and I'm not trying to say, hey, you want to go to lunch and talk about it? I'm not doing any of that stuff. Okay, when you're my age and you look funny at women, you know, somebody might accuse you of something. I don't want that, okay? I'm work, I go to the gym, I hang out with my friends, they talk to girls, I, t I, I respectfully nod in the conversation. I'm kind of the guy who's a little bit more guarded. I don't try to be buddy-buddy or friendly-friendly with girls or women. Forget that crap, that's over. But I was really shocked when she said, my brother... My brother, uh, my brother in the faith or my brother in Christ. I, I, I was so shocked that she said that. My head started to buzz. I couldn't believe it because I didn't, I didn't look at the person and think that she was a believer. But she looked at the shirt and my shirt has like the, the radio station numbers, the call numbers of this radio station that, that, I, was, that I listened to in Ontario. It's a great station, by the way, but I don't want to tell you the name. I don't want to tell you too much about it right now. And she said, I, my parents and I, we grew up listening to that station. <gasps> wow. Anyways, verse four, he had to go through, I wish I was 25 years old, good looking. <laughs> That's all I want to say. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sekar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tried, tired from the long walk sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. So talking about family, like I think the Jewish people don't like the Samaritans, but the Samaritans are the, the 10 tribes of Israel that were lost, but they intermarried with other people in that vicinity. So they're like partially Jewish and partially the world. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's almost talking about family. So here comes... Um, here comes this lady from another uh, tribe that they don't like, right? They don't like the Moabites. Ruth was a Moabite. Here comes this Samaritan lady. The Jews don't like the Samaritans. They don't think of them well at all. And she, and, and he's just there tired by this well. And, um, you know, somebody that is from another race that, you know, and he says, I'm just tired. <laughs> like, Jesus is not racially prejudiced at all. Okay, racial and prejudice, Jesus doesn't care. Like, everybody's supposed to be, you know, the Jewish people are supposed to be the chosen people. They were supposed to give it out to everybody. They kind of kept to themselves, which is what most people do. Well, it's my culture, it's my this. You know, this lives matter, that lives matter, all lives matter, all this sort of stuff. And you get into trouble for saying all these crazy things, right? He doesn't care. He just says, could you give me a drink? He's just the most unassuming person in the world, and yet he's the son of God. You know why? He's totally meek. He says, I'm meek and humble, and you shall find rest for your souls. He's the smartest guy in the world. He's the purest man in the world. Okay, he could look down on everybody and just say, just give me a drink. I'm just tired. Like, if God is with Jesus, God, God with us, right? God knows what it's like, or purity knows what it's like when you're just tired and you, your, your thirst is just flying along and you can't get a drink for yourself. Like total dependence. I just love that about Jesus. He's so real. He's so real. I mean, so many people with their you know, pretense and their this, and you have to give them all these titles and they're so full of themselves and you can't even talk to them, they turn their face. And he's just so real. Man, we all need, we all need that in our lives. We need to be real. But who can you be real with these days? Who can you trust these days? And honestly, you need to find people who are just, who are very real, you know? Who are your friends, they won't judge you. They'll tell you what you don't want to hear, but they love you the same anyways.
please give me a drink. He says, please. <laughs> I so I think Jesus said, please. He didn't say, hey, give me a drink there. I'm a Jew. I'm, I'm the son of God. I'm perfect. Okay, you, you, are, you are born to, you know, that's how Satan would talk to people. You know, Satan is entitled, right? You live to serve Satan. I don't think so. Um, he was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. Isn't that sweet? I just love Jesus. I know I'm not courageous, but I just love the man. You know, with Jesus Christ, I don't feel invisible. I don't feel melancholy. I just keep praying every day. I say, Lord, I got negative voices in my head. Whether it's me talking to me or my personality or the devil's talking to me, just take them away, sir. Just help me quell them down. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. <laughs> he doesn't, I, like, I just love this man. He doesn't, he, he doesn't cut, what is the saying? He cuts the chase or he doesn't cut to the chase. I can't, just up front, but of course he doesn't really know what he's talking about, right? But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. He's talking about the spiritual matter. She's still in the concrete world. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? <laughs> Where was this living? Is this like 7-Up or Coke? This is great. I love this. Kudos to the NLT for simplifying this. Good, good job, guys. Just, just keep the salient points, okay? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his an animals enjoyed? So their ancestor is Jacob too. You know, when Jesus, Jesus says, you know the God of the Jews? Oh, by the way, the Gentiles, it's the same God. And in me, in the new covenant, you have access to God. Jesus doesn't care what you are. He doesn't care if you're Jewish or Gentile or poor or rich or beautiful or ugly or fat or thin or popular or shunned. He does not care. I love that. I really need to read this for me, not just for you. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Give me, give me this water, sir. I need it. Hey, lady, move over. I'm getting it and I'm bigger than you are. That creatine is really helping, by the way. Creatine hydrates your muscles, speaking about water, but whether it, whether it helps the water get into your muscle or the glucose get into your muscle and then turns, helps to turn it into glycogen, I do not know. Mike Menser said that wa muscle is 80% uh, water. I don't know if it's 75% or 80%, but how does the water stay in your muscle? Because it's binding to the glycogen. And the protein is like 20% left. Why everybody's eating all this protein? I don't understand. Yeah, protein, you can get energy from protein and it can help you, right, not to release insulin. But everybody somehow thinks that protein is, muscle is just this bag of complete protein. Nobody seems to get this. I don't know, I need to draw people a picture. But anyways, I said I'd never talk about metabolism again. I lied, but I shouldn't. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. Okay, so, so there's still a little bit of an imbalance. So then Jesus says flatly, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. 
I don't have a husband. The woman replied, Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband for you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. I think there's some women in the gym who don't have husbands and there's some guys in the gym who don't have wives. There's a great disconnect in our world when it comes to social relationships. I think Christianity is the greatest social relationship of all. I think Jesus was a social scientist. He just looked around at all this crazy religious doctrines, all these religions, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do wear this, you got to do that. He said, you know what, this is not even important. It's about relationships, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He was so, he was so smart, he was simple. A guy who can take something and just reduce it to the simplest that anybody on the street like yours truly can understand. Now there's a genius right there. He's Jewish, he's a super genius. He's so smart, he's, he's just approachable. No pretense. You've spoke the truth. So, um, sir, the woman said you must be a prophet. So now she knows. She's like waking up to the fact that this guy, he may look like a normal man, but normal is not his middle name. It's not Jesus normal, um, Jesus normal bar Joseph. It's Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God. So tell me, why is it that you Jews, okay, insist that the Jerusalem is the only place of worship? So it sounds like pride, ego, and entitlement, eh? While we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped. So there's like a Sinai or whatever, and there's a Mount Sinai, there's a Mount Gerizim, and she's saying that they're saying all this, right? And it's their, it's their pride, right? It's their, oh, we're the, we're the best culture. Everybody, everybody thinks that their race has a tent camped out next to God on Mount Sinai. Everybody. Everybody's the same. All this pride. My mother came from Trinidad, and you know what she said? I come to Canada, and great for Trinidad, but I'm a Canadian now. Trinidad didn't give me anything. With all due respect to Trinidad, okay, I wasn't, I wasn't um, born in Trinidad. I was born in Canada, in Grace Hospital on a Sunday. My dad is from Jamaica. Um, I think I was in Jamaica once to go to a cruise, and I've never been to Trinidad. And people say, where are your roots? And I say, okay, my parents are from the Caribbean. They say, why don't you go there? It's like, and I honestly think my answer, if they heard my answer, they wouldn't like me, but you'll never meet me, so you don't have to like me. I don't care about those places. Canada's the one that gave me my values, gave me my upbringing, okay? Canada's the one that fed me and clothed me and gave me my religion and my background and now has given me a new perspective of Jesus. With all due respect, my parents came from there to have a better life here. And I see that in America where all these people grow up in America and they say, oh, we're from here and from there. No, you're not. If you love it there so much, why don't you go back there? That's what a girl told me in America. I was trying to teach the kids. And she says to me, oh, where are you from? Like I was in America, right? I was in California. I was going to be a teacher, you know. I like the sunshine. I was going to live there. She says, hey, uh, where are you from? I said, uh, I'm from Canada. She says, why don't you go back there? I thought that was pretty rude. So you know what? I took her advice. I did. There's no way I'm going to teach somebody like that. If you're not, if you're not uh, meek and humble, you ain't teachable. Proud people can never learn anything because they think they know everything already. That's why Jesus is meek and humble and he says, the humble shall inherit the earth. Lord, I'm stupid. I've made mistakes. I've said wrong things. I've done wrong things. I've shot off my mouth. I'm pretty humble. There's nowhere else to go but up. Teach me. I want to know. 
If you care about the truth so much, and if you have truth, you won't be super challenged when someone tells you something and then you won't have to protect what you have. When I saw that Jesus was the living God and I didn't have to worship about Saturday, I told the whole family, you know what? All they were nattering on is about their, their Saturday and their, their dead prophet. They didn't want to hear no truth. They just wanted to protect what they had been taught, which is deceptive and wrong and false theology. They didn't care about truth. They just wanted to protect their pride and their ego because they didn't want to do anything. They want everybody to flow towards them because they think they're the remnant church. But when someone says, hey, you're wrong and you shouldn't be casting stones from a glass house, their answer was silence, right? Their answer was silence because they know that they're wrong. But rather than admit it and say, I'm sorry, you're right. I will get on my knees and ask God to show me the truth. Let the chips fall where they may. They have to protect what they have been taught, which is a lie because they're full of pride and ego. Proud, proud, being proud and being egotistical will never get you the truth because you can't ever find the one true God because you're too busy worshiping your version of God, which is, which is yourself. You can't serve God or man. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. And anything that I do tell you, if you don't like, you can get on your knees and say, Lord, I don't like what this man just said to me. I think he's very rude and he's, he's and you're right. I don't know everything, but you can always say, but Lord, why, why is this bothering me? Is this true? Is it partially more true? Is it a better truth than I have? You know, I heard the man talking about the NLT versus the, uh, uh, New King James Version, and he was right about the truth. There was something missing from the NLT that was in the New King James Version. And like I said, um, I was very convicted by that. So I do think it was more accurate, but I did find the New King James Version harder to read and flow and understand. So I'm keeping this one for now. Jesus says, go and get your husband. I don't have a husband. He says, yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've lived with five people. You're not even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. I didn't know you could do that back then. But anyways, I guess you can. Sir, the woman says you must be a prophet. So tell me why it is that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship. Jesus says, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. So he is kind of, you know, he does say that he does have a greater understanding than her, which is true with Jesus in any, with any case, with anybody. While we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes to the Jews. <laughs> well, it does seem kind of proud, but salvation is coming from him. But the time is coming and it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Not truth and then spirit. Spirit and truth. Grace and relationships um, versus discipline. The law of grace, Jesus, versus the... And this first, then the law of Moses or slash discipline slash how you do it is second. The first law, the law of Christ, flows into the second law, the law of discipline or the law of Moses or the law of how you do it. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Wow, she knows. 
she knows. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. I am that guy. Wow. Wow. Huge. Right? I wonder what her reaction was. He's a nut. He's crazy. Oh, I'm impressed with him. He's speaking to my heart. Right? God lives in us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. I hope that's the one. We worship the Father and Spirit. I don't worship myself. I worship the one who lives in me. As Barclay said, in Christ and Christ in you. The man is in the air and the air is in you. The man is in Christ and Christ is in the man. The man is in the woman and the woman. Uh, Christ is in the man. And Christ is in the woman and the woman is in Christ. Right? So simple, so powerful, so true, so elemental. The two shall be one. Right? We are married to God through Jesus. We are married to God through the minister of the new covenant with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Relationships, being other-centered, not self-centered. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? Maybe they didn't like her. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who's told me everything I ever did. She sounds exciting. Excited. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about, spiritual food. We got to have Jesus. You got to have the spiritual food. He's the manna from heaven in a symbolic way, right? God's got to feed your heart. If your heart's not, if your heart's in pieces, if your heart is hard, if you're isolated, if your heart is isolated, if you're from God, Life's going to be hard. You're going to try to fill up your heart with all these things, money and drugs and all this sort of terrible things. But you know what? If you have Jesus, yeah, I, I'm not, I want to do better every day. I'm not talking about being discontent that way, but I'm talking about, you know what? I got Jesus. If I got Jesus, everything else, just I can get up in the morning. I got a reason for living. I got a purpose. I got a drive. I'm content with what I have, but I'll always want more. And if Jesus wants to give me more, he can. If he doesn't want to, it doesn't matter. Eternity is my destiny. The stars is my destiny. To go where no man has gone before, I can only go there with God. A new destiny, a new universe, a new travel. The speed of thought, not just the speed of light. Star Trek ships, USS Enterprise, Warp 10, you're too slow, baby. You can't keep up with me. Space is very cold, like they said in the Alien movie. Nobody can hear you scream. Well, you know what? In the new universe to come, I'll be traveling in space. And my Savior will be there right with me. And if he's not there with me bodily, he'll be with me in my heart. I get to go where I want. And I go with my friends. That's going to happen. And I don't really care if people don't believe it or not. I do. And I know it's going to happen. I believe it by faith. I can't prove it, but I know it. In my heart, I know it. I have confidence in it. I don't do religion, folks. Religion is for small-minded people who want to transact with God. I'm not interested in that. I want to be one with God the way Jesus was one with God when he said in John 10:30, I am one with my heavenly father. I'm not equal to my heavenly father and I certainly ain't equal to Jesus, but I still want to be integrated into the life of God because God is eternity and God is love. Amen. Praise the Lord. You hear me what I'm saying to you? If you don't say amen, you better say ouch. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me, the inner heart, the heart, the new covenant, and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting another, 
and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. Well, I don't know if I'm the, I'm not the planter and I sure don't know if I'm the harvester, but I certainly want to be involved in, so I want to influence somehow. But you know, you can't influence people with words. People want to see your life. Does Jesus live in you? They don't care about what you believe. They don't care about that at all. They want to see your life. Do you live what you preach? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest when you didn't plant. Others have already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then he said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, because of what we, of what we have heard because we've heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is the savior of the world. That sounds so good. Jesus heals an official son. At the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. How true. My family did not receive warmly what I told them. And we're kind of still, you know, friends. It'll never be the same again, but I don't really care. I don't need their validation. They need Jesus and they know it, but they don't want to admit it. Yet the Galileans welcomed him for they had been in been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. Like I said, I don't have to judge you. You're not responsible to me. I want to make that clear to you. You're responsible to God if you want to be. We're all responsible to God, but most people don't really care. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Well, I guess that's the human skepticism. The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back, your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus had said and started home. When the man was on his way home, some of his servants met with him that the news with the news that his son was alive and well, he asked that when the boy had begun to get better and they replied yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized this was the very time Jesus told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. Sorry, I went over time. Maybe I'm a little bit too excited. Anyways, hope to get back on track. God bless you all. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to my clunky sentences. Listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is listening to you. God bless. Have a wonderful day. Take care.